Hello, and welcome to a special fill-in episode of Stasis Pod, the Last Dragon Podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm David. Who's the master? Show enough. Damn right. So I, I just recently, this is, uh, tonight we are talking about 1985's The Last Dragon, or 1985's Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Yeah, th- th- this is another episode of, uh, we need a filler episode, so it's, uh, two white guys talk about a movie they don't know much about, but it's fun. That is correct. <laughs> so, and in, often it's movies that Rob caught on cable. Uh, quite often, well, I think the first one I think we did was The Meg, which was just big dumb oh, shark movie in a theater. And, and then the, since then it's been, oh, I, Rob sees this movie. It's like, I remember seeing this a dozen times as a child in the eighties. Let's do an episode on it. <laughs> yeah. So I did not see this. I, I saw this for the first time, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, David, this was like a, this was like an HBO staple or something. Um, I'm pretty sure I, I first saw it on HBO in the 80s, but then, like, it would get rerun on Saturday Kung Fu Theater thingies because it's, it fits that. So I saw it a bunch of times on a bunch of different channels. It, it was... But it's also, it's like, I recently bought the 30th anniversary because... Actually, I forget why. I think it, like... Oh no, like, I was watching something else and people were talking about this movie and it's like, fuck, I haven't seen that movie in forever, I need to own it. <laughs> so I got it. Yeah, I assume, I assume the only reason you really needed was that, uh, this movie exists and totally rules. Oh yeah. Yeah, cause it, it's one of those movies that, that, it's an action movie from the 80s that's been stuck in my head forever. I mean, it, it, it is a crazy cheese fest of, Americanized kung fu nonsense. Yeah, it, it's combining like a few fun things. Like it's a black exploitation movie. It's a Bruce exploitation movie. It's got a goddamn great soundtrack. And the crazy thing is, it's like a decade late to be a kung fu movie or a black exploitation movie. This is from 1985. Well, okay, I I I just rewatched my Blu-ray and and the part of the there's a little documentary thing on and the writer wrote this movie. Because it was like, I think it was like a 10th anniversary of Bruce Lee's death, and he was at okay. a movie theater that was showing Bruce's movies, and it's like, wait a minute, I got an idea for a movie. <laughs> because he, like a lot of the cast and the producers and shit, they grew up in New York, watching movies in New York, and he was like, he grew up a fan of Bruce Lee, and it's like, I want to make a Bruce Lee-like movie. And they managed to actually get the rights for Bruce Lee, but there's a lot of Bruce Lee in this movie. This, this is a rare movie where, ooh, you shouldn't show a better movie in your movie where it works to the advantage of this movie well. Yes. Anyway, let's get to the movie. Oh, where's my notes? I actually, okay. Listeners to our regular podcast will want to know that we take notes for our Patreon episodes and, and, and other things. And like, the last Patreon episode was our Kingdom episode. And I have, Notes for two episodes that don't even take up a full page. I got two and a half pages for this movie. Admittedly, oh, good, it's because I but... did not know we were going to do an episode on this when I watched this movie, so I did not take notes. <laughs> yes, because you watched it, it was like, I said, yeah, we're doing an episode, so let's do it. Yeah, this. so I'm, I'm relying on my memories and, uh, like, the IMDB. Yeah, and your memory is better than mine to begin with, because I'm getting old. 
Well, my man memory's never been great to begin. You can remember the songs from this movie, and you've only seen it once. They are catchy. Most of them are really, really catchy, including the stupid ones. So first off, we will start with the director, Michael Schultz. Yes. Uh, African-American director. A wild filmography. <laughs> like what? Okay, so a lot of, lot of TV, like Rockford Files, right. uh, Starsky and Hutch, okay. Beretta. Classic 70s stuff. You know, going all the way up until... Uh, like, he's done episodes of, like, Manifest and uh, New Girl and Crazy wow. Ex-Girlfriend. This guy's still working. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's 82. TV work is solid work. But his, his film, for, so he's got Cooley High, which is like a, it, it's kind of like the black American graffiti. Oh, that, that, that's a word I do not want to say, because I keep thinking, wait, how racist is the word Cooley? Uh, no, it's named after an actual uh, Cooley vocational high school. Oh, okay. Which was named after a guy named Edwin Gilbert Cooley. Oh, weird. It is not spelled as in the, like, Old West Chinese slur? Well, I, I, that's the thing. I think it's a slur that's been used for Chinese and African Americans. Ah. Oh. Which is why it's been used in this movie a couple times. I mean, I did some really popular, uh, like, black movies in the 70s. Car Wash, uh, Grease Lightning. Wait, he did Car Wash? He did Car Wash. Oh my god, that's... That's a movie I've seen a couple times, and I haven't seen it in a long day of time. I don't think we need to do an episode about it, but I feel like I should see that again at some point. I have not seen it, but I'm already interested because it's directed by Michael Schultz with a screenplay by Joel Schumacher. It's an odd movie. Oh, uh, uh, but then. Cooley is a term for a low-wage worker from Southeast Asia, uh, which I guess got ported. I don't know. Okay, I, I guess my memories of it being used as an insult are just vague. But then in 1978, he directed one of the greatest disasters of musical cinema. Oh? Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Oh, I don't think we can hold that against him. I mean, that's... Not entirely, no. anyway. That, I mean, that... I mean, well, it's not an entirely shit movie, but that's <laughs> not a great movie. But it, well, it, it's, it's got a couple of decent covers. Yeah, well, it's the thing. Thing. Wait, is my remember? Oh, oh, right. I remember why. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, that is that is one which, of course, features no involvement from the actual Beatles, but does feature the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton as quote unquote the Beatles. Oh, which, which. and also featuring like a totally insane list of stars of the seventies: Steve Martin, oh, Alice Cooper. Yeah, Steve Martin. It, it's what well, he's doing. Uh, the Hammer song, uh, Maxwell Silver Hammer. Yes, which is kind of a really good version of that song. But I also saw that a couple months ago, and um, the uh, it's got the Aerosmith version of "Come Together," which is okay. Oh uh, yeah. And then there's a totally insane bit at the end in which Billy Preston is a weather vane that comes to life and magically solves all of the problems of the movie, whilst also doing a pretty decent rendition of Get Back. 
Okay, so it's not as bad as The Apple, but it's not a good movie. No, and then I mean, I oh, I'd say I'd, I'd say it might be worse than The Apple. The Apple's more confusing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but anyway, all sorts of you know, he did Scavenger Hunt, which is kind of a it's a mad, 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 mad world ripoff, but it's in the seventies. Oh, yeah. uh, he did Crush Groove. I have no idea what it is. is. That is a big breakdancing movie, I think. Oh, but I see he did Disorderlies, which is a movie that was on HBO way too often, and I saw uh, a few times. I was 100% about to mention Disorderlies, <laughs> which I have not seen. I, I'm not sure I, I can know recommend it. Has... I remember being entertained by it as a small child in the 80s. Uh, that, that is the screwball comedy starring the Fat Boys. Yes. Yes, it in is. In which they are, I guess... Disorderlies. Uh, to be honest, better than any attempts to reimagine the Three Stooges in modern times movies, which are mm. all crap. Disorderlies is a better version of a Three Stooges movie than any of those. But of course, the the main man behind this movie is Barry Gordy. Yep. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a music, you know, a record executive alive who would have his name in front of a movie now. Ah. Uh. Oh, one of them would probably try, but I don't think it would work. But, I mean, with Barry Gordy, it's like a selling point. Like, uh-huh. Well, I, Barry Gordy means the soundtrack's going to kick ass. Well, Barry Gordy means Motown. Yes. And, uh, I mean, I grew up in southwestern Ontario, so just across the border from Detroit. So, mm-hmm. obviously, I grew up with a ton of Motown. And I, I've been to the Motown Museum in Detroit. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't recall if there was an exhibit dedicated to uh, The Last Dragon, though. There should have been at some point. Well, I, I I grew up near New York City, listening to music that my parents liked as a kid. So I got enough Motown that I love it. And this is one of only four movies he uh, he produced. Yeah, which is kind of shocking and not shocking at the same time. Well, this is definitely the least, the one that you would least expect to be produced by Barry Gordy because the first one is Lady Sings the Blues, mm. which is uh you know that Billy Holiday movie. Uh, Mahogany, which was sort of the follow-up with Diana Ross. And uh, then the Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings, which is a... That is a Billy D. Williams, Richard Pryor baseball comedy. Oh, that... I'm interested in that. <laughs> I think they're like ex-Negro League players who are uh, like a traveling team. Huh. Okay, well, that, that, well, I have a way large of a, I want to watch list, but that should be on it. Yes. And so, yeah, this, uh, this movie takes place in what I believe is the same, uh, New York City that the, uh, that the Wu-Tang Clan are from. <laughs> yes, um, this is a movie set in New York, filmed in New York for the first time, it feels like. It's like, it's not Toronto acting as New York, this is New York. No, no, this is filmed in New York on location. Uh-huh. And our main character is Le- is Bruce Leroy Green. Wait, Leroy Green, people just call him Bruce Leroy because it's funny. Yes. Played, uh, by played by Tymac. Tymac, who, as an actor, is a great martial artist. Well, th- th- that's the thing. Like, 
they had to get a martial artist for the main character, and all he had done was like kickboxing and some other martial arts. Like he he yeah. from like upstate New York, he won a kickboxing championship, and the, uh, like his teacher like was part of the choreography on this, and it was like they got him hired because he looks great. He's great at martial arts. His acting. He hadn't acted worth shit before this. So considering that, no. he's pretty <laughs> naively decent, which works for the character. I, w- I will not say he ha- he does not have a ton of charisma. Uh, no? Well, okay. The, the acting levels in this movie are a little uneven. He works. Yes. Because yeah, he's mean, great are, at martial arts. There are some professional actors in this. There's one really great one. Well, yes. Yes. So we'll... Yeah, he he's you know he's got a an elderly uh, kung fu master who uh, says that you know he's going to need to uh, be you know he is at oh, the final level. No, 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 uh, no. Even before that, when when it's the opening of Timac, shirtless, oiled up, doing martial arts as you would have in a classic Shaw Brothers kung fu movie in oh, the yeah. intro, they're going all in on the cliches, and yet flipping them around because his cliched stereotype kung fu master isn't quite cliche which is nice yes so yeah he, he's at the final level so he needs to now become the last dragon and once he gets to this uh, this level he can uh, let's say concentrate his chi in his fist making it like unto a thing of iron <laughs> I'm sorry am I thinking of something else no, he can acquire this mystical property from uh, the planet itself called the Touch. Wait, no, <laughs> no, no, no! It's it's a force that reaches through all of us, binding us all together, called the glow. The glow, which I mean, as far as naming cheesy things, you got the force, you got the touch, the. Pa- the power and stuff. The glow! Really good name, considering the effect they use at the end. Yes. So he's going to, he's been given a medal that supposedly once belonged to Bruce Lee. <laughs> Which is the first level of, Master, are you fucking with him? Yeah. <laughs> well, and the second level of that is that he has to find a master named Some Dumb Goy. Oi. Would you? I I do like that. That shows the naivete of Bruce Leroy <laughs> that he doesn't yes. get that joke. Of course, there's somebody else who wants to be the uh, the the last dragon, and that is Shonuff, the oh. Shogun of Harlem. Oh my God! This is uh, this is character actor Julius Carey, who's in a zillion things. Yes. Um, in fact, he, I guess he started out in a uh, in a Rudy Ray Moore movie, which Ooh. kind of this is the this is the PG rated little brother of a Rudy Ray Moore movie. Yeah, th- this is this is the little brother of Rudy Ray Moore that loved watching Bruce Lee movies. Yes, because it, it does have that same degree of we're just kind of fucking around to a degree and we're having fun. I mean, I've seen him in a, a few things. I guess he had a recurring role in uh, Briscoe County Junior. Yes, he did. Junior, which oh, I have wait. never seen. Uh, I guess I can recommend it. It, it. It's short and weird, but entertaining. Whereas the Briscoe County Junior, he's he's playing the lovable sidekick character. Whereas in this, he is the baddest motherfucker you ever done seen. 
I mean, he is amazing in this movie. It does help that he's like six and a half feet tall, and then they have another foot of hair on top of him, and giant shoulder pads in every outfit he's in. I mean, the, the, his costuming in this is, it is the Road Warrior meets uh, Game of Death, and it's fantastic. <laughs> yes. And, and Leroy will not fight him, you know. It's, it's, it's the way of non-violence. Yeah. I believe, is this where we see him in the theater eating uh, popcorn with chopsticks? Yes, yes, that that's where they first meet. Yes. <laughs> in the theater, where, where they're watching Bruce Lee movies and lots and, and of Bruce Lee got, cameos. And he's got sort of this gang of acolytes who follow him around. A, a, a rainbow coalition of assholes with, like, wrestler names, like Crush and Beast. Yes. It's, uh... These guys see... they. These guys are bad guys from a beat-em-up video game. Oh, my God. There's so much of this movie that feels like video games. Particularly, um, Double Dragon Neon, which is a great game that's recent. It's like a more recent sequel to the Double Dragon franchise, which I would highly recommend playing if you like beat-em-ups. Because it is fun. I, I have seen, I have seen videos online. Yeah, Double Dragon Neon is the one with the ending theme that is awesome. Alright, was it, is it, it's not Skullomania, it's... It's something like that. Skullmageddon or something? Yeah, it's like a cross between the Shredder, Skeletor, and any number of other things. The ultimate... And kind of the monarch? Oh yeah, he screeches like the monarch. (laughs) And he's singing the ending theme song. Yes. Anyway, back to the movie. Yeah, so, so you know, Leroy is doing all this, you know, or, or, sorry, uh, the Shonuff is doing all manner of Foot Clan level. Oh, yeah. He's very Foot Clan like. Uh, you know, street crime where he's, you know, he's, he's busting up, uh, Leroy's, uh, martial arts school. Hmm. Uh, he, uh, like his family owns a pizza restaurant. Yes, because a recurring theme of this is, Oh, there's this race doing thing that's not cliche, like black family owning an Italian restaurant. Yes, in a kung fu movie, and the uh, uh, the one daughter is uh, is Rudy Huxtable. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of oh hey wait, do I know that person in this movie? Rudy. (laughs) Oh, and also, I mean, this is almost kind of a this feels like half a Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, well, it kind of is, because uh, towards the end of the movie, suddenly appearing out of nowhere, is this little kung fu ass-kicking small child who's play. Oh, what is his name? Ernie uh, Reyes Jr. Ernie Reyes Jr., who's in the Ninja Turtle movies. Right, he's, well, he's uh, like the martial arts stunt double, but yeah. he's also, uh, he's a Kino, the pizza delivery guy yeah. in that second one, Secret of the Ooze. He was such a good stunt double on set in the first movie. It's like, let's actually just put him in the movie in the second one. And then they did. And meanwhile, all the, while all this is going on, there's also a second bad guy in this movie. That is video arcade mogul Eddie Arcadian. <laughs> yes, we have the Marvel character Arcade as the main villain. Well, secondary villain, kind of. Well, I don't know if Arcade is this Armenian. <laughs> no, well, I... Oh, yeah, yeah, because he looks like um, uh, Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien? Oh, you mean Arcade, yes. Yes, Arcade. This, no, this guy looks more like uh, character actor John Polito. Yeah. 
But uh, he is actor uh, Christopher Murney, who's in a ton of stuff. Yeah, there's character actors sprinkled throughout this movie. Apparently he, uh, at one point, was the voice of Chester Cheetah. Oh! Huh. But he's in... He's also in uh, Maximum Overdrive, speaking of hilarious 80s movies. (laughs) Oof. Hilarious, but not good 80s movies. (laughs) Not great. Anyway, so yeah, he is trying to get into... Like, he has a girlfriend who is a fake uh, Cindy Lauper. Oh, yeah. Who has Uh, horrible songs. And and I guess it must be a thing where she's trying to sing badly because she's like a big Broadway actress. What? I think... Uh, Faith Prince. Like, I I think they were aiming for... They're bad movies that sound like they could be hip-hop songs, but are still bad. Well, and apparently... Uh, Barry Gordy wanted to make this actress actually into, like, Motown's Cyndi Lauper. Ooh, no, 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 no. If you really wanted to do that, you should have just hired Cyndi Lauper. <laughs> so he is, he is trying to get her on, I don't think it, do they actually, do they actually call it MTV, or is it some sort of fake MTV? No, it, it, it's Seventh Heaven, I think is, well, that, that's kind of the name of the club, and I think that's the name of the show. <laughs> Because they're mm. filming it. It, it, it's, it, it's like a, uh, Soul Train MTV thing. Kids and so dance, to play music. And so to, to do this, they have, uh, their intention is to kidnap, uh, this, this VJ, uh, played by Canada's own Vanity. Oh, she's Canadian. Oh. Uh, from Niagara Falls, Ontario. Ooh. Slowly I turn. Step by step. Uh, who had a bit of an acting career in the 80s. She was, like, one of Prince's disciples. Yeah. And then, you know, she left Prince, uh, signed with Motown, and sort of did some acting. She was in the amazing uh, John Stamos action movie, Never Too Young to Die. Oh, that that's Which a... also features an evil Gene Simmons. Yeah, that's a so bad it's good, kind of, but it's also just bizarre... Uh, I guess it probably fi- is Gene Simmons' best acting, though. Which is well, that's probably true. But that's also not saying much. No, uh, she's in the f- she's in the uh, John Frankenheimer movie Fifty Two Pickup, which is actually awesome. Huh? Yeah, it's, she was uh, around for a bit. It's got the, it's, it, Roy Scheider's the lead. Uh, John Glover is the bad guy, and he's mm. basically playing it as if the Riddler was a sex addict. <laughs> okay, it's worth checking out. Uh, listen, if you ever want to see John Glover inject Anne Margaret with heroin, have I got a movie for you? I mean, that's not something I ever thought of. And she's also in Action Jackson, uh, which was also kind of like a neo black exploitation movie with uh, Carl Weathers. Oh, that. Okay, I don't think I saw that movie. I think that one's also got an evil Craig T. Nelson. It looks like it should have been a thing that was on HBO a lot, but somehow I missed it. I can't. I don't know how it wasn't. Anyway, so uh, this first kidnapping attempt is foiled by uh, by Leroy, but he loses medal, but uh, but Vanity gets it back. Hmm. Yeah, because he just vanishes off the scene after rescuing her and getting her a taxi. Yes, at which point he sees her again, and then she gets kidnapped again. Every time he sees her, this time by inescapable uh, cinema henchman Mike Starr. Yep, playing Rocky. An ex-wrestler, an ex, 
a boxer. <laughs> You've seen this guy in everything. Always oh, playing some sort of goon. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. He's in The Bodyguard. He's all over the place. He's in Goodfellas. He's one of... He's one of the quintessential, hey, that guy, guys. Oh, yeah. And speaking of hey, that guys, uh, before she gets kidnapped, she somebody attempts to persuade her to take this money from Arcadian, and that is a pre-fame William H. Macy oh, wearing yeah. the most amazing jacket I've ever seen. <laughs> it It is very um, Transformers Generation 2. <laughs> I wonder if he still has this jacket. I don't know. It may be the same jacket he wore in... Um, Wait, no, I'm thinking of the wrong movie. Never mind. I mean, anyway, I, can't, but, but yeah. I cannot imagine another movie in which William H. Macy would wear this jacket. Well, wait, was he in Howard the Duck? Or am I thinking of the wrong actor? You're thinking of Tim Robbins. Okay, that that that's what was crossing my wires. I think Tim Robbins has a stupid jacket in that movie at one point. He definitely... It's not It's not like this. This is amazing. No, because this one's also like sequined or something. It's It looks like stained glass insanity. And my throat and is the way, He's just like a press agent or something? I... I think maybe he's like PR for her show or something. I don't know. I don't know why he's wearing this uh, this outfit, but it is amazing. Yeah, and and like he's not even in the credits, really, basically, because he's so small. Of a character. Well, he, he's right down there with uh, another inescapable character, Chaz Palminteri, who also plays a goon. Oh, is he one of the guys that tries to pick her up the first time? Yes, he's in. Okay. He's in like the Usual Suspects, uh, Bronx Tale. Always, almost always playing some sort of mobster. Oh, that guy, oh, cause he had, he had a mustache in this, which threw me off. I think he has a mustache, yes. Yeah. It's like I don't remember him ever having a mustache anywhere else. Oh. So yeah, she, so she gets kidnapped, uh, you know, he, he figures this out. I, I can't remember, there's some sort of extremely blatant clue that he finds. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, they, they leave like, somehow he had like, a folder that like had Arcade's name on it. Mm. Just Rocky just leaves it behind. Mike Starr leaves it behind. It's like okay, <laughs> weird. But the plot has to happen. Yes, but you know, so she, you know, she she is taken to his extremely eighties arcade headquarters and for first to, forced to watch third rate Cindy Lauper music. Oh man, this is this is real bad. <laughs> yes. That's a, we, we get large chunks of a lot of songs in this movie. There's like a chorus and a verse of, of this bad song. It's like ooh. And then before that, I think when they're in when they're doing Seventh Heaven, we also get a musical performance by somebody. Uh, is it, is it before? After, it is. There's like DeBarge at some point. That's that's what I'm thinking of. DeBarge. Yeah, I think they play like the whole music video in the background. Yes. Is this, uh, is this before or after? Did they do the theme to um, Short Circuit? Uh, did they? Shit. No, I don't know what I'm thinking of. No, I don't know what I'm thinking of Short Circuit. Uh, this is the this is the same year that uh, their big hit Rhythm of the Night came out. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, isn't that in this movie too? Wait, are I guess, yes, I think that is yes. the uh, okay. Don't yes, confusing. Oh, in fact, it was for this soundtrack. Yay. Actually, it's probably the biggest song on the soundtrack outside of the movie. <laughs> well, actually, the glow this, doesn't this, get played enough. Yeah, apparently this movie did like very well financially. Hmm. Yeah, I'm partially surprised. Like, why didn't this get a sequel at some point? I, mean, I guess you don't want to really, you don't need to make a sequel. But 
it's a little surprising. Hmm. Actually, I'm kind of afraid somebody's going to try to remake it at some point. Which you could do, but I'm afraid they would fuck it up. I just don't know if this movie can exist outside of 1985. Yeah, kind of. You can't do it with New York of today. You'd have to set it somewhere else. I feel that there is too much irony in the culture. Yeah. This this is a a frequently hilarious movie made by people who I'm sure we're not entirely sure was as hilarious as we think it is. <laughs> yeah, no, well, well cuz there's there's intentional humor in this and then oh, there's yes. added humor because of the earnestness and just how fun it is. Yes. So uh, so Leroy rescues her again this time dressed as a ninja. Yeah, okay. The the mixing up Chinese stuff and Japanese stuff in this movie kind of works with with the the melting pot of New York and the message of the movie but it's also kind of weird that this guy who studied Kung Fu is now a ninja throwing around ninja stars because it does kind of work better that like he's Chinese Kung Fu versus the Shogun of Harlem who's dressed like a Shogun yes like at some point Shonuff should have been carrying around a katana but that never happens that is shocking. But it also kind of makes sense because um, um, Julius Carey had to do his own stunts because they couldn't find a guy tall enough. <laughs> so it's like, okay, he's a trained actor. We can get him to fight Kung Fu against this professional martial artist. But I don't think we should give him a giant sword to swing around. Yeah, it would have to be proportionate. That thing would be like uh, like a claymore. Oh, oh! If oh, what is it? Uh, there's some kind of Dao. There's some Chinese weapon that's like basically just a wide sword on a staff. Oh, Ooh. him with one of those would be great. Ah, uh, what could have been? Anyway, where were we? Yeah, he he gets rescued. There, she gets rescued. There's sort of like a romance blossoming between them, except he doesn't seem to understand that there's a romance blossoming between them. Because <laughs> he's a naive young boy. Well, because as the master at the beginning is trying to allude to by getting him to slowly, like, he has not combined like, his his hate and love and all of his emotions into him to become a complete person. He's still this naive boy who's a martial artist, who's always walking around everywhere dressed like a Chinese peasant from the 1800s. Yes. <laughs> which is hilarious. Which which it, it worked. That's that's the unintentional intentional comedy working in its favor. He's such a, a sweet naive boy, <laughs> dressed like like you're in a different century in the wrong country. <laughs> See, so now we get we get the villain team up because this is a classic two villain movie. Hmm. And of course, at some point, these it, it, uh, take uh, say uh, you know your your Batman returns. Because you've got your business bad guy, and then you've got your uh, your your fighting bad guy. Yeah. Well, it, 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 well I, I guess it's going for the physical and psychological. Although Arcade isn't really that psychological. He's just an angry, short, white man. You could really cut out a lot of his plot. Yeah, that, that's kind of the thing. Like, the white folks can kind of be cut out of the movie. Except, like, it just accelerates the, the plot more and, and has to put uh, Vanity's character in danger so that Leroy can go save her. Yeah. And, and eventually... Which you could have modified that to be the Shogun doing that. But, yeah. yeah, and eventually fake Cindy Lauper just, like, breaks up and quits. Yeah. This entire thing. 
Well, you you got to have a positive white character in this movie at some point. <laughs> Everyone else is kind of an asshole. <laughs> and meanwhile, whilst all this is going, Leroy, of course, is still on his quest for Master Sum Dum Goy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the thing, like... Throughout this entire thing, like, there's locations and situations that he goes into twice. Like, he meets, he's the master at the beginning, and then he goes back there at the end, and going to this some dumb goy place twice. Yes, it, <laughs> so it, it turns out it, it's like a factory in Chinatown. Yes, and making fortune cookies. Ah, uh, has to uh, has to fight a bunch of Asian American martial artists. Well, not so much fight as just encounter, and they rough him up, because... He's dressed like a Chinese peasant, and these are three Chinese guys who are heavily into black culture of the 80s. Yes. And mo- singing Motown songs. Which is great, because, oh, they're, they're just ripping on him. <sighs> but yeah, he eventually does sneak in there by remembering something that Bruce Lee did in a Bruce Lee movie. Yes. Of dressing up to sneak in to someplace. And he does it badly. But at least he has a pizza with him. Or pizza box. We never actually see the pizza inside, I don't think. But he's trying to deliver it to Master Some Dumb Goy. And they finally reveal... Yeah. After the, he makes them laugh or something. They show him Some Dumb Goy is... They just made up a name. It's a goddamn computer printing out fortune cookies. Yes. <laughs> and then he has to go back to his master. He's like, Master, why did you lie to me? Damn it, dummy, you gotta figure this shit out on your own. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've had the answers all along. <laughs> oh, we haven't even mentioned his little brother yet. Oh yeah, he's got, uh, yeah, he has a little brother who's got, you know, a tag-along kid. Yeah, who's, might be the second best actor in the movie. Like, he's playing a shitty little pickup artist child. Yes. <laughs> but he's really selling it. Also in uh, also New Jack City. Oh. So yeah, eventually the the whole thing ends up in uh, in seventh heaven. You know the uh, you know Arcadian has hired an army of bad video- guys from beat 'em up video game. Yes. Like the, there's an albino Santa with a mohawk. The, there's a guy who just growls and is wearing furs. <laughs> It's ridiculous. We ju- we just kind of hit randomize on the create a character uh, uh, screen. Yeah, and th- there is an extremely cool fight with these guys. Hmm. It's, r- it's a rather big chaotic fight in in the seventh heaven set they have. It's like- well, especially once uh, Leroy's students come in as well. Including yeah. Ernie Reyes Jr., who at one point uh, fights a guy played by Ernie Reyes Sr. Yeah, the one he knocks on the ground, I would assume. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's like, oh, he's kicking him in the balls a lot. Yeah, that's got to be his dad. They're, they're doing a lot of shit together. And he he was <sighs> the uh, the fight coordinator. Oh, okay. For this, uh, for this movie. Yeah, the fights are uh, all re- really good. Like, even this chaotic one where half the people there don't know shit about martial arts. It, it's filmed in such a way that it looks great. And also there's a bunch of dry ice. Oh, yeah, yeah, and the neon lights and everything. Neon oh, lights, I mean, this, this the is a screen behind them. This is a vaporwave movie. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, it's a very video game fighting set. And so once again, Vanity gets kidnapped. <laughs> again. 
I will, I will say this movie pretty good on race. Maybe not so great with his female characters. Uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, because the problem is like there's two, really. There are two, and one of them spends, I'm going to say, 75% of the film either in the state of having been kidnapped or being kidnapped. Yeah, and, and the other one is, is like a willing kidnap at, at the beginning, just used as, as this tiny angry man's puppet to make Cindy Lauper music. So yeah, the w- women, not great. Anyway, uh, what so kidnap he ends up going to this, this abandoned warehouse or, you know, some sort of, you know, crumbling New York, you know, New York building. Yeah, a a Batman villain hideout. Yes. And we get the big fight, finally, between Leroy and Shonoff, and it, it totally rules. Yeah, considering that, that um, Julius Carey doesn't know shit about martial arts, it's real great, because he's this giant man with long reach, so it, his actions look great. And time acts really good. Oh, and the glow. Well, it turns out that Shonuff does indeed have the glow. Yes. And he can make his fists like unto a thing of iron. This is, <laughs> this is also very comic booky. Oh yeah. Yeah, th- there's a degree of that in here. Oh, so much fun. Well, yeah, cause it basically ends with Leroy becoming a superhero. Oh, speaking of which, Shang-Chi's, well, when we're recording this, Shang-Chi has just come out, I think. Yes, I have not seen it yet. I'm really looking forward to it. When this episode eventually comes out, it'll probably be on DVD or something. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, oh, the glow, oh, when, when Shonoff's hands glow, traditional, like, lighting, animation, oh, it looks so, oh, so it, cheesy I mean, it, and it, great. It, it is the 80s, 80s-est effect. Yeah. I just glowing red. Oh. And so, you know, he is kicking Leroy's ass with the glow, and he is trying to get him to say, you know, who's the master? Yes, it goes so far as he starts to drown him. But but now it turns out that uh, that Le- Leroy was indeed the last dragon all along. Well, yeah, like, like as he's being he dunked in the, the water. Last dragon, he possesses and the water power ripples. He he becomes the like the water. <laughs> while watching flashbacks from earlier in the movie. Yes. About people telling him you have to learn stuff. You are the master. It's inside you. And that's the last time Shonoff asked him, who's the master? Because all throughout the movie, like, Shonoff asks, like, shit about, with his gang, or is like, who's the master? Shonoff. As they repeat back to him. They're great. Like, like, it's, it's like a call and release thing. Ah, oh, they're great hype men. And so he asks, Leroy, who's the master? Leroy answers, I am. And then he glows. He's <laughs> like, oh, yay. The heroic moment. So cheesy, but so good. So, yes, he's so... Well, the while Shonov merely has the glowing fists, Leroy is glowing all over. Hmm. And it's, it's yellow versus red. It's, uh, it's very cool looking. Which, which, which uh, again, sort of reminds me of Transformers the movie. Yeah. Because Gal- Galvatron had the Matrix and could get it to glow a little, but not fully. The came out the year after this. Oh, ooh, so maybe Nick's... Well, no, that probably would have been in the planning stages earlier. Yeah, with, the, with the animation, like, lead times. Yeah, but still, it, it, it is oddly similar. Well, I guess they're both sort of borrowing a little bit from Star Wars. Transformers, the, the movie, just a lot more. Of course, the one thing that I wondered if maybe this was... Influential on, but it 
it's not because the timing isn't right. Uh, mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's the thing. Like this, this feels like it should have been inspiration for Ninja Turtles. Uh, but I, I'm not. Sh- yeah, I, I think with the timing, it, they just kind of came out at the same time. Yeah, because wasn't that? Yeah, that would have come out '84. No, that was '84, probably when they were filming this. Yeah. Yeah, but well, I, I guess it's just New York of the time and in the zeitgeist. Because I mean, show enough really feels like a, a shredder taken up to eleven. Yeah, he's black exploitation shredder. Yes. Uh, who would of course himself be played by a noted African American character actor? Oh yeah, yeah, the first shredder, uh, Uncle Phil. Mm. Well, then I think in that recent CG series, he was uh, Kevin Michael Richardson. Ooh, I well, I, I don't know who's played him since because I, I, I've only seen the original in the 2003 version. Really, mm. I've seen like an episode of the other two. So, so Shonuff is defeated, and there was kind of a running gag where Shonuff was making fun of Bruce Leroy for, you know, being able to catch bullets in his teeth. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. And then our ca- at the beginning of the movie, like he catches arrows that his master shoots at him, but it's like, yes. but it's, the myth is like you catch bullets. <laughs> and so Arcadian shoots him, and he catches the bullet in his teeth. Oh, that's such a degree of cheesiness that. At this point in the movie, it works. And so, you know, the bad guys go to jail, Laura and Leroy kiss, and all is well. Yes. And we go out at a song that is kind of the weakest song in the entire movie to me. Well, for the movie, it might be a good song, it just doesn't fit the movie. Yeah, it's not as good, but this is... Because it's just this love theme that two people are singing whose names I can't remember. Like one of them, I think one of them, I think was a big. Mo- well, they're probably both big Motown artists at the time because <laughs> the soundtrack. But I'm trying to think. Well, it might be. Uh, let's see. It might be first time on a Ferris wheel. Uh, yeah, it, it's just. It uh, when feel the, right. the, the one big name on it is Smokey Robinson. Oh yeah, that was it. Uh, but then there's and Smokey Robinson and Cyrita Wright, who I'm not really familiar with, but she was mm. married to, to uh, Stevie Wonder. Oh. Oh, yeah. Stevie Wonder's on the soundtrack, too. Somewhere. Stevie Wonder's on the soundtrack. Uh, Rockwell is on the soundtrack. Uh, best known for Somebody's Watching Me, and Ooh. also known for being Barry Gordy's son. Oh, well, well, Somebody's Watching Me is at least a good song. That's true, although I I'll give you a pass the best parts one. of it are kind of the Michael Jackson parts. Well, okay, yeah, but... Oh. Good production. I'll, I'll give him one song. And, and, of course, Vanity is on the soundtrack. Hmm. Well, yeah, because she was a singer first. Yes. Actor second, as we can see in this movie. Yeah. I mean, she she and Ty Mac are not bad. They work in the movie. I mean, they do. They have no chemistry, but that's okay. Well, because he's he's playing this naive, stupid little character. Yes. But it does help that both of them look really good in this movie. She looks great, and we see Ty Mac shirtless and oiled up a couple times. Oh yeah, I mean, they both look amazing. Hmm. Oh, odd, odd little note, because I was just scrolling down on the wiki page. Um, at some point in the 90s when I was remembering this movie, and then I saw a Busta Rhymes music video, for a while I thought Busta Rhymes played Show Nuff. Oh. 
Because he, he, well, because he dressed up as Show Enough in one music video. Right, right. I'm, I, I vaguely remember that one. Which confused me because the memories of seeing this movie in the 80s is like, oh, tall guy with the big hair. Yeah, that's Buster Rhymes. Wait, it's not? Oh. Oh, it's a guy from Briscoe County Jr. Cool. <sighs> so, yeah, this, I mean, this, this film is ludicrous, but I strongly mm-hmm. recommend seeing it. Uh, if you get the chance, it's it's an amazing slice of eighties cheese. Oh, it because it, it feels so much like eighties New York City, but a more hopeful version, still covered in graffiti with empty warehouses and weird street gangs. Oh, it, it it's it's so good. It I hazard to say it's one of my favorite movies, but yeah, I guess it kind of because. It's a fun North American martial arts movie that borrows from old kung fu stuff and Bruce Lee. It, it, it it's a condensation of the '80s love of martial arts. It's like, oh, it's so good. It's it's dumb. It is dumb, but it's dumb in all the right ways. Show enough. Yes. Oh God! Like show enough is he's definitely one of my favorite movie villains. Ever, mm. just his aesthetic, his acting, his name is so perfect. <laughs> yes, I, I I can't think of another villain where their name works so well in that character's dialogue with his goons. <laughs> no one else has perfected that. But yeah, go go watch the movie. It is fun. I mean, it's, I, I think, I vaguely recall that it was on Netflix at one point. I'm not sure if it still is. Uh, I don't think so, but I, I got the Blu-ray reasonably cheap. It's yeah, out you can there. definitely, you can definitely stream it. Yeah. It is findable. It, it is an easy to acquire cult classic. Yes. Alright, so I, uh, I believe that, uh, that does it for us this week. We'll be back next week with your regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> yes, which this interrupted b- because pres- scheduling was bad, which is why we record some episodes emergency ahead of time. Which so, actually, uh, this is being recorded because our last, oh, we need, a, gonna need a filler episode is being used this week. <laughs> gotta keep one in the chamber. Yes. Yes, we have learned that after scheduling the last year. Yes. Which a couple times has bit me in the behind. Alright, so until next time, I'm Rob. Who's the master? I'm David. Okay. <laughs>